Good morning, everybody. We, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to get right into this thing. We're going to be looking at the life and times of Daniel this morning, uh, the book of Daniel, which is one of the Old Testament prophets. And uh, we're going to look at him and uh, uh, three of his buddies that was taken into captivity through Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, we're going to look at the life and times of him and how it compares to today. Uh, they had uh, several things that uh, happened to them that kind of compares to a lot of stuff of today. And, and so we're going we're gonna to look at how we need to dare to be a Daniel, uh, just be a, as Daniel was. Um, so we're just going to get right into this thing. You know, we got uh, most time when, you, when you're studying to do a sermon, uh, you're told to give three points and a joke. So I'm going to do four points. I don't know if a joke will break out or not, but we're going to try to do four points this morning. So we're going to look at these uh, four guys' names. But um, and I'm going to be going through Daniel chapter 6. Uh, that's about as far as I'll be able to go this morning. Um, there are several things that happened throughout the life of Daniel through this time. Uh, Daniel is a prophet. If you do some reading and studying of of a secular uh, encyclopedia type uh, history of Daniel, you'll find that some say that Daniel was not a prophet, uh, but Daniel was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. In fact, when you get to Daniel chapter 9, uh, at the end of 9, it's the interrupted prayer, and I just went off. I'm back on. Um, it's the interrupted prayer of Daniel uh, through the angel Gabriel. And it gives him, on the last four verses of Daniel 9, gives the key verses to end-time prophecy. Uh, Daniel was a very mighty man. In fact, there's only two, two guys mentioned in the Bible that was called the Beloved, and that was John and Daniel, uh, both of them being uh, the ones with the end-time stuff. But this is not an end-time uh, study this morning. This is just a study on how we, uh, living in today's time, can get some encouragement from someone like Daniel of the Old Testament uh, to be able to uh, stand strong in the ways of God and in our faith to God uh, even today as he did then. Uh, one of the things about it, too, uh, I want to make sure I mention to get your mind square with this, is Daniel was Old Testament. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came and went. That, uh, Paul was, was just beside himself at the benefit that you and I have of a New Testament church, New Testament Christians, that we have the benefit of the Holy Spirit with us 24-7. And the Old Testament prophets only came and went. So we have it even stronger than what they did. Uh, so, you know, we need to understand uh, that, that benefit of that. Uh, people ask me sometimes, what do I study by? What do I use? Well, I use the King James Version. The uh, reason why, because for me, it's a lot easier to study out the topics through King James Version. Some say, well, I don't really understand that. They worry about the these and thous. These and thous ain't that hard to understand, okay? But here's what I always tell people. The main thing about the, the translations that you use, I don't even care if you use the NIV, which is the nearly inspired version. Even if you use something as crazy as that, you'll never get revelation of the word that you have unless you use the, revel the revelation of the Holy Spirit that gives you the understanding of the word other than that it's just words. You know what I mean? 
That's the reason why we have the benefit that the devil doesn't have. Because we have the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? All right, so just kind of keep that. Right, we need to move on. I run way out of time this morning, so we're going to try to get on with this. So let's look at uh, the meaning of the guys' names that we're going to look at this morning. We're looking at four guys that was taken into captivity under, under King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, these are their Hebrew names. And we're going to look at the four points that we're going to use this morning is the meaning of these four guys' names. And uh, so, you know, you'll, you'll find out later on, I'll even read it uh, through one of the scriptures. They were given Babylonian names, which is worldly names. And their names, Daniel, is Belteshazzar, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names. They are their worldly names. I do not use their worldly names. I use their godly names. And we're going to look at that. So you'll never hear me say Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego unless I'm reading, quoting from Scripture because it's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in my book. Y'all with me? And we're going to look at uh, these four guys and use a point. So pay attention to these meanings of these names. So as we go through these instances, you're going to see how these meanings of these names work in each one of those instances. Instances. Y'all with me? So let's look at the meaning of the name. It's on the, uh, uh, your uh, first point of your outline. It says, the meaning of the Hebrew names are centered around the one and true God. Daniel is God is my judge. Hananiah is God has been gracious. Mishael is who is what God is. So what that means, who is what God is. You're going to find out that both kings and in the, the end of these, of two of these kings, they both basically say there's none like the God of Daniel. There's none like this, the true and living God, none like him. And Mishael actually means that. And then we have Azariah, which means God has helped. And you'll find out that God is a good helper. Y'all with me? So y'all let's pay attention to that as we go along. Um, so in Daniel chapter 1, those, those four guys were taken into captivity. This is somewhere around... 605 B.C. goes through about 528 B.C., somewhere in that time frame. Uh, and then it depends on which scholar you talk to. When the guys went in, they were somewhere between the ages of 15 and 18. Uh, I lean more toward the 18, about what Daniel's age was. So when you get to the part of Daniel chapter 9, which we're not going to talk about this morning, but when you see the interrupted prayer of Daniel nine when Gabriel interrupts his prayer to give him them four key verses you'll find out that Daniel was praying because he had read from the book of Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah that they were being captivity for 70 years and the reason why they were doing it because they did not keep the law of the Sabbath of the land for 490 years uh, that was one of the four 490 years I don't have time to go through those this morning but we're going to kind of talk about that just a little bit because there's four of them these four guys it all works together i just ain't got time to do it so in the process of doing it what they're supposed to done is for 490 years they did not keep that law of the sabbath it's supposed to be the work for uh, work the land for six years the seventh year you let it lay out sort of like we work for six days and the seventh day uh we had the rest where the land had that same type sabbath for 490 years they did not do that god says you owe me 70 so they put them in captivity 
for that long. So Nebuchadnezzar had taken Jerusalem into captivity, and that's how Daniel and these three guys got in that position uh, because of what their forefathers had done for 490 years. Nebuchadnezzar uh, started out, he, he's a king. He was actually a general at that time. Their, their place was Babylon. Babylon is just about 60 miles south of Baghdad. It's in modern-day Iraq. Uh, if you remember back in the time of Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein started out a trek the same as Nebuchadnezzar did. Saddam Hussein is a great, 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 however many generations down, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, a direct descendant of him. And Nebuchadnezzar started out and he went, made a rope all the way through the Middle East, come back up. His last one was Jerusalem. And when he took over Jerusalem, he took out the, the articles of the uh, Holy of Holies and put them in, in storage in Babylon. And we're going to look at that in Daniel chapter 5. So in the process done it, uh, of what Nebuchadnezzar did, Saddam Hussein wanted to do the same thing. Now, when you go back and look at a lot of folks are saying, we did not need to be in Iraq at that time. We did not need to do this. Yes, we did need to do this. This was an intervention of God because we were stopping what Saddam Hussein wanted to do. He wanted to come in. He started with Kuwait. He was going to make his round all the way back around to Israel and come back in and do the same thing Nebuchadnezzar did so he could take over all of the world products of the, of the world and be the next world dictator. And the United States stopped it. We needed to be there, okay? So that was what was going on. That's what happened with this time frame of them. And when these guys come in, they were taking over. And then as soon as he gets in, the, the king had actually been very sick. As soon as Nebuchadnezzar did this, that guy died. Nebuchadnezzar now become king because he was the world-famous general. And now he was king of Babylon, which Babylon was the world dictator center. Okay, y'all with me? So that was what uh, was going on. And then these four guys uh, got recognition uh, for who they were and uh, the process of the ones who come from uh, uh, the Hebrew guys, the Hebrew children. And uh, that's how they got recognized, even being the spot that they were. So now let's look at Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that saved lives. Now keep this in your mind. The lives that he saved is the ones that's fixing to try to come back and take his life. But that don't make no sense. Right? But that's the world, is it not? The world's crazy. So the very ones that he winds up saving their life, and we're going to talk about it, man, come back to try to kill him. That's sort of the way the governments are nowadays. Now, I've been already been told, and I've already been highly instructed to leave politics out of this this morning. So I'm going to do that to somewhat. Okay? I'm not going to leave the politics out of it. But you have to remember the governments are crazy. The governments are messed up. I work for the government. I know. If it starts making sense, you better be worried about it. In fact, two of my boys, Daniel and Alan, when they was, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, one of them, went, Daniel's with us this morning. He comes to watch old pop. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 year old, somewhere in that time frame, they come in one day, they told me they were bored. Don't ever come in and tell your father that you're bored. That's crazy, right? 
So I told him, I said, I'll tell you what to do. I gave him a blueprint to go out there and dig a hole. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Go out there and dig a hole 12 inches by 12 inches by 12 inches. Take that dirt, go 50 steps this way, then go 50 paces that way and put the dirt there. They thought, that's crazy. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to give it. So they dug the hole. They did all that. And they carried the dirt. And they did all that. And they come back. Oh, right, we done. We're going to go play now. No, you ain't done. <laughs> you ain't done. Go back and get that dirt and come back and put in that hole. They said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. I said, bingo. You might get a government job one day, and I want you to be used to it. <laughs> Daniel's got a government job, and he thinks about it every time, don't you? Sometimes old Pop got some stupid illustrations, but they work. Y'all with me? I throw that in for free. That's the way it works. So what happened was Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and, he, he, and uh, so he wanted the interpretation of the dream. So he goes and asks, tells all of his Chaldean soothsayers, uh, um, his wise men, all them, he said, I had a dream, and I want y'all to interpret my dream. And they said, okay, tell us the dream. He said, no, I ain't going to tell you the dream. You, gotta, you got to know the dream and interpret it for us. They said, there's no way that you're asking of anything that anybody can ever do. He said, well, you better do it. I'm going to kill you if you don't. And nobody could do it. They were all moaning and groaning because the king had asked them to do something that no man could do. So they went around and started gathering them all up to go kill them. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of throwing us out today. Uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm one thing is, is the government's work in a fear tactic, okay? The difference is back then they carried it out. Nowadays, most of our government just gives you a fear tactic and they ain't carried it out yet. I'm leaving politics out, but y'all know what I'm talking about. All right? It's hard to do, but I'm trying to do it. So what happened is they come around and get them, and they got Daniel. Daniel said, why are you going to kill us? And they told him. Daniel said, I tell you what, go to the king and ask him, give me just a little bit of time and let me pray and consult with God and let me give him interpretation. So Nebuchadnezzar said he'd do it. He gave him time. Daniel was able to go in and interpret the dream. He actually interpreted the dream. It was an uh, uh, image of a man uh, with a gold head and, and silver and, and brass and, and uh, iron and clay and all that. And, if, and you have to use all that to understand that it was able to do a prophecy of the four, the four main dictator governments at the time. And it started with Nebuchadnezzar being the head of gold. And it went all the way down. It talked about the Medes and Persians that we're fixing to talk about. It also went to Alexander the Great. And then it went on to the Roman Empire. And, and actually been able to use the Roman Empire or the interpretation of this dream is one of the ways that we are able to understand where the Antichrist comes from. Okay, it all comes back to Daniel chapter 2 of that. Daniel chapter 7, 10, uh, 11, and 12, those are all great end time type uh, prophecy chapters that makes you get an understanding of what's going on. And then when he was able to do that, and he gave that interpretation, then he was able to save all the people's lives. So all those guys didn't have to die because of Daniel's faith in God. Okay, so now another thing I want you to understand so as I go through this, in case I forget to say this later, what I want you to see is each time Daniel and these three guys stood for God, God showed out. Now here's the difference, folks. They wasn't standing for themselves. They were standing for him. And then he was able to receive the glory from it. And then each one of them actually got promoted uh, through it. 
So that's kind of Daniel uh, chapter 2. I was, so let's read a couple of scriptures of that. We'll read through these pretty quickly. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 46 said, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, of, and said, Of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods. Who is like the God of Daniel, right? Uh, and Lord of kings and revealer of secrets, seeing thou could reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over the wise men of Babylon. In fact, what he did is he put him third in line. And we're going to find out he's going to get put in third in line again after he even gets demoted. Why is he third in line? Let me tell you how it went. King's number one, okay? And then depending on us, uh, an offspring, uh, whether... The queen is number two. Uh, when his son, his firstborn son, becomes of age, then he's number two. Okay, y'all see that kind of how it goes. Because when we get to Daniel chapter five, you're going to see uh, a little bit of this. So what happened uh, is that he made him then third ruler. That's the reason why. So he was basically right under the king. Okay. And then he said, then Daniel requested of the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So let's look at the next point of the outline. Sitting at the gate is sitting at a place of authority. Because Daniel had done this, he got put in a place of authority, sort of the same way as was with uh, in the book of Ruth when you're seeing that Boaz sat at the gate. Sitting at the gate means you're high in authority. And that's why Boaz, when, he, when the people come through the gate, Boaz was able to tell them, Hey, you sit down. And they turn and sit down. You know, they're busy as we are, right? I've always said, I wish everybody was as busy as I was because they'd get out of my way. Y'all with me? Everybody ever get in your way? People get in my way all the time. I love you, though. Y'all with me? Lisa's shaking her head. I can see it in my background. All right, I'm going to move on. So Daniel was uh, sitting at a gate at the gate of authority, and Daniel's name is God is my judge. And even though he said an authority, he said an authority that God was able to promote him to, uh, even through uh, the king of the time. Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to move on. Daniel chapter 3, making people bow with a fiery furnace. So here we go again. Here's another scare tactic. So what happened was these same guys, y'all remember I talked about them before, these same guys that Daniel actually saved their life, these guys are now trying to kill them. So they make this decree, they, they talk to the king into making this image and make this decree that if any, all this certain types of music and everything played, whatever was going on, they had to stop and bow to the image. That was the thing that they put forth, a decree signed by the king. Well, of course, what happens when that kind of stuff happens? They start watching you, right? The world's watching you, okay? Y'all just remember that. The world's watching you. You better do what you say you're going to do, right? We don't need no two-faced Christians. Y'all with me? So they watched them. Sure enough, they played the music, and those three guys didn't bow. And I miss you on Azariah. They didn't bow. So what they do? Run to the king. Guess who didn't bow? You know? Y'all have them little title tales? 
If you work for the government, it's full of tattletales. Okay? Some of you say, some of y'all work for the government. I see that already. Oh, it's full of little tattletales. So they come get to, and then they find out that the king was furious. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. But read the scripture again. Go back and read that again and pay attention to the subtleties of it. He wasn't furious that they didn't bow. He was furious that he fell for it. Because he did not want them boys to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But the decree had already been made. He had to do it. So they, they heated up the furnace seven times more than normal. It was so hot that when they took them to throw them in the, throw them in the fire, that the guys that was th going to throw them in fell dead. When they opened the door, the heat hit them, they fell dead. And the three guys are still there. I know, let's think about that for a minute. The guys that's going to throw them, this is just one of my observations, okay? Just think about it. If the guys that's going to throw them in fall dead, what did the three guys have to do? They just looked around and said, well, we might as well just go on in. Right? Here's the trick to it, folks. What they said before they went in. They said, we will not bow other than to God. We will not bow to an image. And if you throw us in the fiery furnace, if the furnace burns us up, or if it don't burn us up, God is still God. They made that clear. That's when they stood for God and not for themselves. Y'all see what I'm saying? Each time when you look at these things, that was what was going on. And then when that happened, that was their faith. They were willing to get burnt up for their faith. And they walked on in. And the reason why we know Nebuchadnezzar was furious about the trick was that he run to see them and he looked in. Let's read what he says. And he said, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and no form is like the, and, and the form of the fourth is like to the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar just got a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Nebuchadnezzar did. Because of what these three guys did. He said he looked, he's a fourth man in the fire and he looks like the son of God. This is one of four appearances that Jesus made in the Old Testament. One of them was the, was the voice of the burning bush. We know that for a fact because Jesus even said he was. Because if you go to Daniel chapter 8, you'll find out that they said, you, you're, not, you're not even 50 years old yet, but you've seen Abraham? Because he said, before Abraham was, I am. What did he just say? I'm the voice of the burning bush because he said, I am sent you. So they tried to kill him ever since, right? The second one was, was Joshua. He was the commander of the Lord's army and Joshua that gave, him, that gave him the instructions of what to do about marching around and all that. He was a wrestler of Jacob and then he was the fourth man in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar himself was even able to see that. Now here's the trick to it. If them three guys, if them were the only three that didn't bow, where was Daniel? Did Daniel bow? No. He was probably gone to Shisham. He was also, a, he was third in line, and he was usually doing a lot of the province of Shisham at the time, and that was probably where he was, and that was why the able, they was able to do that, because if Daniel had been there third in line, he would have stopped that decree. It would have had to went through him. Y'all see what I'm saying? 
So they're trying to trick stuff. People of the world will try to trick you when Pastor Keith ain't around. Right? The world will try to trick me when my editor ain't around. The one that gives me the looks like she's about to give me now. Right? Y'all with me? Y'all see what I'm saying? That was what was going on. And Nebuchadnezzar himself said, there's no one uh, uh, like him. Uh, then verse 30 uh, says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they were even moved on up even further uh, than what they had originally been. Put them over those guys uh, that was trying to do that to them. So look at the next point of outline. Um, when you stand for God through his son Jesus, you, you just may be promoted by the one you thought was your adversary. Now, I, in the, I had to put in the part because of us being in the new, te, the new covenant compared to the old covenant when they stood for God. Now I put in a through his son Jesus. That's how we stand. You see, we got to, we got to do the order of authority. Y'all with me? So in, uh, for the Father, you got to go through Jesus to get to the Father. And we use the avenue or the channel, if you will, of the Holy Spirit to get to Jesus. That's how it works. You got to work the proper channels of authority through the Holy Spirit to Jesus to the Father. Okay, y'all with me? So, either way it goes, I always stand for God's word. Um, before I jump into Daniel chapter 5, Daniel chapter 4, we're not going to really look at. Daniel chapter 4 was written by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's mind was taken from him and then returned back to him. So his, his, his uh, kingdom was taken away and then given back. Uh, all of that was to prove to Nebuchadnezzar not to do what Nebuchadnezzar was fixing to do. What he was fixing to do was he was fixing to, to, to mix the people up. That's what they would do whenever they take over somewhere. If anybody took over a country or a race of people, they mixed them up. Uh, the, actually, the, um, the Hebrews, the Jews, were, was in two separate kingdoms. They had what were called the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is the ones that come through the line of the tribe of Judah. That was the one that ushered in Jesus. That line had to be kept pure. And when Nebuchadnezzar was the one that was fixing to take that out, God took his brain from him and then put it back to him to tell him, you don't do this. I'm keeping that pure. That was the only time that happened. Okay? i just give you a little insight of the history of, of, of what was going on, of how God kept that lineage pure, pure uh, through that. That was Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 5, uh, Daniel interprets handwriting on the wall. Uh, let's go ahead and read Daniel chapter 5, verse 29. I wouldn't go ahead and read it. Then Belshazzar gave the command that they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. So there again, he's now put back the third ruler again after the death of Nebuchadnezzar. Let me tell you what happened. This King Belshazzar guy, he was a young man. He had just got to the point of age to be able to take over the kingdom. So his mother, which was queen, remember I told you how the, how the line went? 
But Belshazzar now was number two because he had got to that age. Uh, well, in the process of that, the Medes and the Persians was fixing to take over. That was part of the interpretation of Daniel chapter 2. The Medes and the Persians was the next in line. They had come up and they had already uh, uh, seized part of their uh, army that had gone out to fight with the Medes and the Persians. And Belshazzar was able to become king because his father was now a POW by the Medes and the Persians. So with him being a POW, being uh, in prison outside, Belshazzar was reigning king inside, okay? So it kind of gives you an idea of what's going on. His name of his father was Nabadeus. Now, I'm not going to say that again because I hope I said it right. Uh, which reminds me, this morning, I was on before the first service, was going on, uh, Jesse's up here getting ready, and I told Jesse, I, we was trying to look at this name, and uh, he said, well, i tell you what, he said, he's telling me about a couple that was driving around, going somewhere, and they got to this town where they couldn't pronounce the really the name, the wife was saying it was this name, the husband was saying it was this, you know, and they was kind of arguing back and forth who was pronouncing it right, so they said, well, we're just going to stop in the nearest place and go in there and ask them what the pronunciation is. So they stopped and they went in and they walked up and there's this little young boy behind the counter and they walked up to him and said, man, my wife has been arguing back and forth of the, the correct pronunciation of this place. So would you real slowly, real easy and real slowly say the pronunciation of this place? And the boy looked at him and said, Burger King. So you have to kind of be specific in your questions sometimes. That comes from Brother Jesse, you ought to know. That kind of stuff, man. I throw the joke out there anyway, didn't I? So anyway, this guy was the one that was supposed to be King Belshazzar was. So what happened was Belshazzar got drunk. In the middle of, of this time, they had surrounded Babylon. You had the, the river Euphrates down one side. They had dug out. They made water all the way around. They had drawbridges. The drawbridge was up. They had... Uh, uh, Babylon was fortified uh, with a wall thick enough that two chariots could race side by side around it. It had one of the seven wonders of the world, which was the hanging gardens uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had made for one of his seven wives. Uh, it was just a, a immaculate place. Uh, and uh, so he was making a, a point by having a party and getting drunk, surrounded by the Medes and Persians, basically telling them, you can't touch me. That's basically what he was saying. But he messed up. You know how he messed up? You ever read it? He went down there and he started, they started getting drunk and carrying on, having a party. And then he said, go down in the basement down there and get the holy vessels of God and bring them up. And when he did, he told me, he said, now pour the wine and liquor and drink over into the, to the vessels of God. And we're going to drink from them and make a toast to the gods of, the, of brass, gold, and wood. That was a mistake. God's holy stuff is hot God's holy stuff. Okay? If you've been going again, guess what you are? Holy stuff. You better not mess with it. Because you might just see a finger writing on the wall. Because that's exactly what happened to him. A finger appeared and started writing on the wall. Everybody thinks it was a hand. It was just a finger. It started writing. Now, I think that's very neat because... If you'll see a time one time when a bunch of people come to Jesus and they're trying to accuse a woman, 
And he just sat down and started writing in the sand. And it scared them, and they got gone. Right? Y'all remember? I think that had a lot to do with it. I don't know. That's just my little thing, okay? Don't, don't, don't try to say that's some kind of gospel or nothing. But it's very possible. When Belshazzar seen that finger writing on the wall, it said his knees began to knock. He sobered up, sort of like the blue lights would. You ever seen a drunk sober up when the blue lights hit them? They try to stand up so straight they fall over backwards. <laughs> well, he tried to stand up so straight his knees started knocking. Now, the scripture is being real nice to you by saying that his bowels was loosed. <laughs> so y'all know what he did, right? I'm just telling you. That's, 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 read it. Daniel chapter 5. It scared him, right? Rightfully so. He needed to be scared. He was messing up. Be careful what you do. And I ain't throwing that in there for free. Y'all be careful. So then that's when, after he seen that, and Daniel interpreted the dream, he'd come in because they said they, they're trying to find somebody to interpret, not the dream, but the writing. And the queen said, I know somebody that can do it. Because she didn't remember Daniel. And she went and got Daniel. And they come in there and ask Daniel, she said, can you, do you know what that is? He said, well, I know that. That's, that's, that's my father's handwriting. That's what he said. And he told him, he said, you've been weighed in the balance and you've been found wanting. And tonight, your kingdom will be taken from you. And sure enough, what had happened, the whole time all this was going on, the Medes and Persians was damming up the river Euphrates and, and, and routing it out through a swamp. And when, they, when the water went down, they went in under the grating and took over and killed the king. And the thing about it was, King Darius actually put up a monument showing that he had took over Babylon without a fight. And the people of Babylon had been taken over for a year before they ever knew it. And I'm wanting to throw some politics into that. But I'm going to let it out, and I hope that you just can figure it out yourself. Okay? Think about it. Daniel chapter 6. Yeah, I need to go, don't I? I, had to, I, I went out of town about like this in the early one, didn't I? Daniel chapter 6, removing prayer through the lion's den. Removing prayer through the lion's den. What had happened was, here we got the king, the, uh, the king of the Medes and Persians, and um, they did another trick because Daniel wasn't at this time because of another takeover. Daniel wasn't third in line anymore. And uh, so the guys knew about it. So they're still trying to get rid of Daniel and his three guys, okay? So they come up to the king and, and talk, talk him into making this decree that if anybody was to pray or give reverence to a god other than any other god other than you, that they'd be thrown in the lion's den. So, of course, they did that. And then, of course, Daniel, uh, three times a day, would open his window, look toward Jerusalem, 
and pray three times a day. Now, he did that because them being in captivity that we was talking about earlier, he's not able to do the daily oblations, okay, the daily sacrifices. So at those times when they're supposed to be doing that, Daniel would stop and just in reverence to God because of what they were not able to do, but what he was able to do, he would then stop and then pray toward Jerusalem to help get them out of the captivity. Or, you know, he would just, that was his reverence to God, okay, uh, for that time. And they knew that, and they knew what he was going to do. So there's the tattletales again sitting there waiting, right? And as soon as Daniel started praying, there they go. Well, Daniel done prayed and everything, and now you done made a decree, and now you got to throw him in the lion's den. Well, guess what? The king Darius was mad again. He was mad just like Nebuchadnezzar was. Why? Because he'd been tricked. And he knew about Daniel, and he knew about all stuff. Don't think when them kings take over, they don't know this stuff. Okay? And they knew that. And they throwed him in the lion's den. And let me tell you why I, why I say that. Because if you go back and read it again, you'll find out that what he did that whole night is that the king didn't eat, he fasted, and he prayed. The king prayed to God to protect Daniel from the lions. And Daniel said, it don't matter if the lions tear me up or if the lions don't. God is still God. Here we go again, right? That's, that's the beauty of this whole thing. So they throwed him in the lion's den. And immediately the king went and started praying and fasting and thing. He got up the next morning and he went back because he said that he prayed and he knew that God, that Daniel's God would protect him. And he run to the, the king now, run to the, to, the, to the door of it and hollered in there, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel said, yes. That the angel had shut the mouths of the lions. And the king was grateful. Just beside himself. He said, great, good. Now bring all the ones that accused him, all the ones that did that. And he threw them in the lion's den along with his kids, his family, the whole works. So sometimes some of the stupid stuff you might want to do, there's not such a thing as a, a victimless crime. You could be a, a, a hurting your family and others. They throw them all in the lion's torn apart. What did... He said, let's look at that. Daniel chapter 6, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Who is like, who is like him? Right? You know, he is a true and faithful judge. Right? He's been gracious, has he not? Does he help? <laughs> Absolutely. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Who is like him? He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus, uh, the Persian, that's Daniel 6, 28. He was moved back up in ranks once again. Look at the outline on your, on your uh, outline there. So each time Daniel stood in faith, God stood with him and was recognized for the one that he is. 
So Daniel stood in faith of God, not, not, not in himself. Daniel didn't say, well, I'm, I'm great and I'm third ruler and, and uh, I'm highly known and highly recognized and everything, so this stuff got to happen. I'm Daniel. No, he didn't do that. He was very humble. He was very much in his faith. And he just said both time, along with the other, way the other guys did, it don't matter if the furnace burns us up. It don't matter if the lion eats us. God is still God. When we get that attitude, when we get the attitude and the faith that God is still God, no matter what this stupid, crazy world does to us, no matter what they give us, no matter what they throw at us, no matter how many fiery furnaces and how many lions den, when we stand in faith, I promise you God will show out. And God will get the glory. Because if you'll notice that each one of these times, the king of the world recognized that it was the God of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Y'all with me? Where am I at? Oh, yeah. So remember the names? Daniel, God is my judge. God is a, is, is a just judge. His judgments are true and just, right? Hananiah, God has been gracious. You know, God's gracious to us. He's gracious to the world, too. A lot of those crazy people in the world are able to survive because of the church. The church is the holdback of all the stupid. Think about it. The church is the holdback of all the stupid. We are the only voice that stands for truth. Let's be that voice. I made up my mind. I actually kind of made up my mind a long time ago, but I really made up my mind within the last few months. You know, because I always thought, you know, we, we, we kind of got it made here in America. And we kind of do. But it's being taken away from us every day. Or they're trying to take it away from us every day. And I finally said, they're not going to take it from me. If the, if the fire burns me up, it burns me up. God's still God. I know where I'm going. I know who I stand for. I know I'm like Paul. I know whom I've believed. And I am, I am faithful that he is true to his word, that he's able to keep me against what? That day. The day of what? The day of judgment to the world, not for me, because my judgment has been done through the cross. And I done made up my mind, they're not going to scare me. I'm not going to be scared. You know, you ever watched the movie? I ain't much on movies, but the movie The Dark Knight, I don't know if y'all understand, but Heath Ledger was the joker of it. I loved the part when Batman was throwing him around and beating him up, and he looked up at him and said, you have nothing to threaten me with. I was just in a movie. But every time I think about that, every time the devil wants to beat me up or the world wants to slam me around, slam me into the wall and beat me up, I say, you have nothing to threaten me with. Because I know whom I believed. Y'all with me? So let's look, look uh, next point, Matthew 24, 6. This is Jesus speaking now, okay? It says, and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. 
see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the, yet, the, not, the end has not yet come. What did Jesus say about all this stupid? Don't be troubled. Don't let it trouble you. Because every time you let it trouble you, the world and the devil is robbing you of the peace that Jesus gave you on the cross. We got to stand for it. But if you don't stand for it, you won't receive it. You got to stand in faith. Let's look at the last in there. Dare to be a Daniel and leave a mark that the world will never forget. You know, you could do that. Or at least some of these kings and presidents won't never forget. They call me frog. I hope they don't. I hope they know what frog stands for. Right? Might be a president one day. Say, y'all better watch it, frog. <laughs> and I got time for a joke. <laughs> Four points and two jokes. You know they play golf up in heaven. I'm not no golfer. I ain't never played a round of golf in my life. And the reason why is because I know if I start trying to play golf, I'll be slinging clubs out across the water and everything else. You'll be hearing every time I try to hit a ball. Not no golfer. But Moses and Jesus and this older gentleman was up there in heaven. They playing golf one day, and Moses put his ball on the tee, and he very back look. And there's just big, great body of water to the green, you know. And so Moses got ready, and he hit the ball. When he did, when he got to the water, the water parted. And the ball went right on through and rolled right up on the green. Hey, that ain't too bad, you know. Well, Jesus gets up there and he puts the ball on the thing and he looks and he rears back and he hits the ball and it gets to the water. It walks on the water. Huh? Come on now. I ain't making this up. I know, look. It walks on the water and it gets up and it gets to the green and it rolls up and gets about that far from the hole. That ain't too bad, was it? Where the older gentleman just steps up there. He sets the ball down. When he hit the ball, it went straight up there. And he come back down, and right before it hit the water, a fish slapped his tail with it and knocked it up on the bank. It started rolling down to the water. A squirrel run by and grabbed the ball and took off running with it. And he was heading right down the side of the bank, and an eagle come down and grabbed the squirrel, picked him up, took him right over the hole, squeezed him, and he dropped, squeezed him now. He squeezed him and dropped the ball, and it went right in the hole, hole in one. Jesus looked over at that older fellow and said, Nice shot, Dad. <laughs> you weren't expecting that, was you? That's pretty cute, I thought. I got that online. <laughs> so Jesse and online kind of helped us out with a joke today, all right? Do uh, you want me to close us out? I'll just pray us on out of here and we'll be gone. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And we, just, we just asked you to help send us that Holy Spirit boldness that just helps us dare to be a Daniel that in the times of fear and the times of trouble, that we can stand for you. Because you are the great judge. You're the God of grace. And you're also the God that helped us. And there's none like the God of Daniel. We just ask you now to go with us and bless us throughout the rest of the time. And we just ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus, the one who testifies. Surely I come quickly. Even so, come, my Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.